Welcome to the Multiverse of Multiverse of Marvel podcast. There we go. We're each week or whenever I decide I want to record. Our resident Marvel guys, Aaron and Dan Grinley, will dive into the crazy corner of the ever-expanding Marvel multiverse and uh, see which topic we'll talk about each week. And this week, I think we're going to talk about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier because last episode dropped last week, so I think it would be a good time to uh, talk about them. So, so you guys, uh, I assume, both watched the uh, the show. Oh yeah, yep. every episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. So, uh, so, uh, yeah, and, you, and you guys definitely liked uh, where it went with with everything. Oh yeah, I I definitely was a fan of what happened. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I thought enough, it was yeah. great. I mean, it, it had a you know few flaws here and there, but for the most part, it was fantastic. Yes, yeah, definitely, and I was definitely surprised that the. Uh, Elaine showed up in the like halfway through or there uh, for that yeah. one episode. That's a like pretty I, good. They pretty good. They kept that secret too because she, from what I'm hearing, was supposed to show up in Black Widow first. Yeah. So like, uh, so uh, so what is her character exactly? I'm not as I'm not uh, myself. I'm not familiar with her. You want to take it okay. away, Aaron? Uh, as far as I always knew, she had basically just been Nick Fury's love interest back in the old Shield days, like in the the 60s, and was you know basically the bond girl to the old steranko nick fury um beyond that not a whole lot until in the last decade decade and a half that they started using her again and they started doing convoluted stuff setting her up as some sort of hydra agent i don't really know much about all the latter day stuff but she she basically um she became uh, Madame Hydra for a while, and then it turned out that she was actually a triple agent and had been Russian the whole time. And then it also turns out Nick Fury, Nick Fury knew this the whole time. Like he, he Nick Fury knew because he's Nick Fury. Because he's but a yeah, super duper spy. Yeah, he so knows, since then she's kind of been a villain, I think. Uh, a villain that kind of helps out every so often, or, or like. Well, I don't know. Like, I think like since not, I think not like as much as Zemo does. Been a villain, I think. Okay. And and her her name was like Madame Hydra for a bit, or like she well it was her title for a while. Okay. It's like that, that... any woman who's in charge of Hydra is Madame Hydra oh. by default. Like Viper is typically Madame Hydra because she's usually the woman in charge. Yeah. Just I think they forgot about her and decided to use Val instead. Well, no, they uh, it's it's they, there was an actual story setting all that stuff up at the time. I, I you know. Our uh, Viper, I believe, was off doing something else at the time. And uh, Ed, who, sorry, who's uh, Viper again? So Viper is uh, uh, one of the villains who's been around for years. She was actually sort of in the, the movie The Wolverine. Uh, she's generally Madame Hydra. She uh, has uh, been an X-Men villain and a Captain America villain, and she's been all over the place. Oh, was she the one with like the uh, like the Venom stuff or whatever? Yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. Oh. But she doesn't really have powers like that in the, the, the comics. They just really couldn't use the exact character Viper is. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and too like uh, so, and obviously with like uh, with what the what the show was, they didn't really take too much from the the comics over with like it was more so like just from the show. It was like uh, so. Well, like, I mean, it's one of those ones where if you end and take a step back at individual stuff of it, I mean, yeah, yeah, at all is things from the the comics in a way, somewhere the other, just massively changed and combining a bunch of stuff because I mean. The John Walker like it, stuff, it's it's the same, but it's different, you know? Yeah, like, like it was his own story, but kind of plucked. Yeah, you know, the stuff Power Broker stuff is completely different, and the Flag Smasher yeah. stuff is different. Like the, the basic difference for John is just that he's replacing a living Steve Rogers in the comics, and he's got to live up to the legacy of the dead Steve Rogers in the movies. Okay, and, uh, and, that, was, and that was like uh, when... Uh, yeah, it, Steve got just like shot. Like Ben, that was like no, no. He was uh, on, Steve, on the outs with the government. For he something. he uh, had um, killed somebody publicly. It was like a terrorist or something, and it was in one of the situations where Steve had no choice. But it was like televised, and people okay. were pretty judgmental and started having problems with Steve. And after a while, Steve walked away and became nomad, I believe, for the time. I think that's the and, identity he had. Yeah, and, and that, that's time, where the black Captain America costume came from. Yeah, and, that, yeah, and, like, and so at like, the time, John Walker was super patriot, who was his own sort of hero, trying to act like he was better than Captain America. So when they offered it to him, he took it immediately. I've I went through uh, my collection, and I my gap in Captain America, I I have nothing of U.S. Agent until uh, you get to like the Bloodstone Hunt. Like I have the issue before his first appearance, and then nothing until it's just like backups and spot appearances here and there until like West Coast Avengers. Okay, and, and, and do we know like when like uh, he first like showed up? Or, oh, or, uh, like, late 80s. 86, November late. 86. I, mean, oh, no. I got it pulled up here just so I could remember things. <laughs> I, think he, I think he became US agent before, about a year later. before the decade was out. Yeah, no, it was, it was about a year later he became uh, Captain America. Okay, yeah, so, uh, so Nomad isn't uh, that all that old then, relatively then. Oh, no. No, and that that just adds to more complications, like what Cap was doing free of the government, and then what became of the Nomad persona when Cap went back to being Cap. Did uh, did somebody else take up Nomad when he went back to Cap, or did he kind of do yep. both? Or oh, in the comics, there um, the uh, besides Isaiah Bradley, there was an actual active Captain America replacement. Um, there have been Captain America and Bucky's in the comics throughout the decades that just never could live up to uh, Steve. Uh, One of those Bucky's was a super soldier and did live on into the modern age. And though he was kind of psychotic at first, he gets straightened out and then he takes on the nomad persona and just kind of like wanders around the American uh, countryside, just doing good where he can fighting crime where it appears. You know, living up to Steve's example. And there's been a couple others after that too. There was a couple. There was another one before Jack Monroe, which is when Aaron was just talking about there. There oh, was yeah. another guy before that name. who was minor. And then after that, there was Ricky Barnes, who was the uh, Heroes Reborn version of uh, Bucky. Oh right, from that whole uh, convoluted universe. Yep. There's and a then, few complications <laughs> from that. And then in more recent time, there was uh, um, uh, Ian Rogers, who. Uh, Captain America rescued Arnim Zola's kid and kind of raised him as his own name, a kid named Ian. And then that kid became Nomad for a while. Again, it's from Captain America stuff that I haven't really read. It had to do with like, yeah, again, capping in another universe and all that. As he's known to do. Yeah, exactly. 
but yeah, there's, so there's been about five nomads in total. Okay, so uh, so like uh, so just like a little uh, background on like Bucky and stuff like yeah, like he was like around when Captain America was first like like Steve Rogers was first like introduced. Yeah, but he was he came shortly afterwards, and he was kind of like Captain America's sidekick. Yeah, and that yeah, that, that and kid that, that sidekick. Was, because yeah, yeah. they had to be kid sidekicks, pu- publishing wise, they, they were always uh, the youthful uh, avatar for the reader to accompany the hero along with their adventures. So Bucky was the stand-in for whatever kids were reading the Captain America comics back in the day. And and okay. Steve and, and Bucky weren't like best friends beforehand. They didn't meet each other until the war. And okay. uh, they retconned it later in that. Bucky was kind of like a secret agent who, you know, he kind of got in and did the missions that, you know, other people couldn't do. Which I made mean, sense else? considering, yeah. like, why would you let a why, teenager why would on it, a, yeah. Yeah, and how, like, where has he got all these skills from? Like, why is this teenager so capable at what he's doing if he's not a specially trained agent? Exactly. So they kind of had to explain it away after, but that's funny. Well, it was, it was part <laughs> of them just kind of retconning it when they uh, okay. brought the Winter Soldier. Into yeah, the and, it, and it's not so oh, yeah. much... Um, it, it has more to do with, you know, when these stories were originally written, you know, the the process behind creating the stories wasn't as involved as it came to be throughout the years. This was get it done, get it published real quick, make sure we've got stuff on the stands kind of stories. And it wasn't until the years went by and the decades went by that you had people taking the time to collect these stories, reflect on them and start to actually discuss them because you get uh, the early fan uh, fanzines, fan conventions where people start interacting with each other about these stories. And they ask the, each other these questions, you know, like it's kind of ridiculous that Batman and Captain America parade around with these young teenage sidekicks. Like it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. What could be the actual explanation for this? And then after time, some of these fans rise up in the ranks enough to actually become writers themselves. And a lot of times they have really good ideas about how to develop these characters because they've spent so much time with them. Like uh, in back in the seventies at Marvel, like Roy Thomas was one of these guys, you know, he just had this intrinsic knowledge of what was going on with the Marvel characters because he did nothing but read them. And like famously too, like uh, George R. R. Martin, like wrote into like a, like fantastic four one or something like that too. Oh, we, I'm sure we could have a whole episode about all the different names that have written yeah. into comics over the years. Yeah, that I've uh, later uh, worked on them and stuff. Yeah, and uh, so like, uh, how long was he around before? Because like, he like uh, got killed off like relatively earlyish, or like, or, uh, like it was uh, retconned. It was he didn't he didn't get killed off relatively early. It was they Captain America and Bucky progressed from the book World War Two on afterwards, and yeah. at that point, Steve never did get frozen. Nothing happened like that. They kept continuing on having adventures. And it wasn't until the actual Marvel Universe started and issue four of Avengers when they brought Captain America in that they had this retcon that Steve had four been. Four was it five? No, it was issue four. Right. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I thought it was issue four. Uh, anyway. Got the wrong box in front of me. <laughs> they, um, <clears throat> they retconned it then that Captain America had you know, been frozen all those years and, and Bucky had died. So it wasn't until 1963 that, or 64 that that had been established. And to confirm, I'm looking at a reprint of Captain America Comics number one, and Bucky is right there on page number one, introduced right behind Captain America. (laughs) So, like, he is from word go part of the Cap legacy. Yeah. And and what's the date on uh, Cap Cap number one? Or does it say? Uh, Does this one actually say some reprints give it, some reprints don't? It's either Um, 40 or 41. 
Uh, oh, shit. Like oh, yeah, uh, no, this is straight Golden Age stuff. Um, uh, I, I was thinking it was around in the 60s. Huh? I thought I didn't think it was uh, the, no, no, that old uh, fuck. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, he, uh, he's, he's Captain America from the get-go, and Captain America was like 1940, 1941. Oh, uh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I'm going to have to corroborate somewhere else online because uh, the reprint I've got does not state. Give me a second um, here. I always hate when that happens. If you're going to reprint yeah. a comic, reprint the credits properly. Like, let us know what it is that we're uh, getting our hands into. You know, it's not inconceivable that the kids might want to go and find out where else they can get these stories. Well, if you just say Captain America Comics number one and Tales of Suspense. It was uh, March 1941. Well, if I yeah. yeah, all, all it's given me is March on the cover of uh, like the, the page covering the original cover. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's only like a couple years after uh, uh, Superman and Batman. Yeah, no, yep. they're uh, yep. way back in the golden age there. Yeah, 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 back when uh, oh. Marvel was uh, timely comics. Yeah, uh, yep. it should be pointed out that uh, Stanley's got, uh, well, pardon the pun, jack shit to do with creating this comic. <laughs> now he did join up pretty early. I'm pretty sure he started writing around issue four or five, but I mean, he didn't create yeah, it at the, all. No, the the first issue here is uh, Joe Simon, Kirby and Simon. Jack Kirby. Yep. Uh, good old, good old Jack Kirby. Yep. Jack the oh. King Kirby. Yeah, I'm and so a little I, bit lost looking at it. Like I just love <laughs> one of the great things about the old Golden Age Golden Age comics is just the the grotesque caricatures the artists like to do for all the the criminal near do wells. Like it's not just Dick Tracy that hauls all, has all the weird visages <laughs> on all the criminals. It's like pick up just about any random 40s comic. Uh, that deals with criminals and you'll flip through and they'll just have all these like weird shaped heads sneers angled faces bulgy parts it's it's a riot i love it <laughs> so what's Besides. next on our agenda here for content of this uh episode because so, so, there's so a lot of content to captain america winter soldier falcon yeah we can go on we yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so you're saying that uh, uh back in like the 60s i went or where it was when they issue number four or five when they said that uh Captain America was frozen, but that was when they were establishing what Steve Rogers' place was going to be in this new okay. focus of the Marvel Universe moving forward. Like there had been no resolution to his previous story. There didn't seem to be any influence of Captain America right away in these comics. So yeah. how do we fill the gap? How do we get Captain America back into this and explain away why? We haven't seen him from, you know, the very first stories. So, okay, he, on this last mission, he got frozen and Bucky was, uh, according to reports, killed. And uh, it wasn't the same sort of idea with like from like the like the the movie or like did he like crash like the uh, big plane into the into the ocean? Yeah, general's idea. They were both they were strapped to a rocket and uh, Cap fell off of it and Bucky didn't. His arm was pinned to it and it exploded. Okay, but. They, they were successful in their mission, despite uh, both of them being uh, lost for the next uh, several decades. Or like uh, assumed dead. Yes. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the differences between them bringing Cap back in the comics that 
sadly they couldn't do in the movies is it's tied in with what was going on with uh, Fantastic Four. Because you've got in early Fantastic Four, uh, Johnny the Human Torch finds an amnesiatic Namor just wandering the Bowery as a disheveled bum. And it's Johnny's actions that bring Namor back into action in the modern age. And then it's Namor that having a tantrum uh, inadvertently uh, disrupts uh, where uh, Cap had been uh, uh, frozen in the ice. Um, Native or uh, um, Inuit people had been uh, worshiping it as like some sort of religious totem, and Namor was all incensed about you know their their worshiping and their gods and all that, and threw it away. Uh, so does Namor be Namor, and that's be pretty much being a dick. <laughs> yeah, generally. Uh, Arrogant prick, yeah. I mean, he was legitimately pissed off because he'd found out that, like, he's his kingdom's gone and he's been, like, you know, not his own fault, but negligent in his duties for the last while. He hasn't been the monarch he should have been. He's been, well, mindless, basically. But yeah, it's, it's the that was the one thing that kind of. Not so much a disappointment, but a limitation on the the start of the Marvel movies is well, no, how, they, much, if, how much of that interconnection they were able to do. They actually, there is a deleted scene for the Incredible Hulk where when Hulk's up in the Arctic or whatever, he does cause like an avalanche thing. And as it's like the ice is breaking, yeah, yeah, it, I remember the that. Yeah, pop up, right? yeah, 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 because yeah. that, that was going to be the scene where he's talking about in the uh, in the Avengers where he tried to kill himself or whatever, right? Yep. I think, or, or, and, and, and then he's yeah, when you think he lands or something um, like that or whatever. So it's sort oh, of like uh, the what oh when he says the other guy spat the bullet back out. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that's actually specifically a reference to the uh Brian Azzarello, Richard Corbin miniseries banner. Uh it's a, a non-continuity four issue uh story. Um uh you've seen the movie Heavy Metal? I once way back and but i do you remember the the uh, the sequence in it den with the the kid that got sucked into the alternate realm and became this like muscle bound bald barbarian I, I, and actually that's I, I i think that i think that's like the one part i kind of do remember john candy voiced him that <laughs> oh, really, really? <laughs> that, yeah oh that that's was awesome. totally john candy uh that story uh is that that's Den, and that is one of Richard Corbin's classic stories. Corbin is known for so many things. Uh, He's one of those like legendary people, artists. Yeah, legendary. people that don't know comic books would still know Richard Corbin as the artist of the cover to "Bad Out of Hell," the Meatloaf yeah. album. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking for uh, a Hulk story, that's a really quick read. That's got some masterful artwork and, and, uh, what, and sorry, what's plays that? with what? the Hulk story and does things that doesn't necessarily like it does some things you wouldn't find in the regular four color comics this and, one uh, uh, banner a startling stories banner uh by Azarello and Corbin if I, I'm pretty sure it was Brian Azarello. I believe it is it's buried in my other room dig it out another time but yeah when uh he says he tried to eat a bullet and the other guy spat it out that is specifically a scene from uh, Banner. Like it's something you're not going to see in the monthly book at all. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Sorry so, for that uh, minor little segue. Uh, yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, so, uh, 
So, uh, so like, uh, so at that point, that was like one in the in the sixties. You said roughly, yeah, or roughly, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so like, uh, so at that point, like, he's without Bucky, and so he's obviously doing the same sort of thing. Like, yeah, he just joins up with the Avengers and then starts going on different adventures and you know whatnot. He slowly he regains his uh, footing in the world, finds his place. You know, he's by the time uh, the Winter Soldier story happens, like Steve's got years and years and years of time acclimating to modern society like it it's kind of disruptive because he's he's more or less comfortable in things and then suddenly boom wow this this loose end from my past this crucial thing it's it's a major factor again i gotta deal with this yeah because that wasn't until like what uh 2006 i think it was or something like that something like that yeah 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 because i especially in comic books that's like a long time to have like somebody dead and i and i think for a while there like i think like bucky was up there for like no it was like there was three characters you don't bring back Uh, adam you're muted yeah Um, yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah, it was uh Uncle Ben, Bucky, and Jason Todd. And, Jason and, Todd, yeah, he was and, the and, other and, one that and, they, they and, wouldn't bring back. And the funny thing with that is, I think they brought two of the three back in the same. Oh, no, they brought back Uncle oh, Ben yeah. too. It wasn't the same Uncle Ben, but they did bring back Uncle Ben for the uh, Spider Verse story. Oh, really? No, oh, okay. Yeah. And actually, and actually, there's a ass. I can remember. And too, like, I, I remember the. Was that uh, Uncle Ben or was that Ezekiel? No, remember there was an Uncle Ben Spider Man. All right, yeah. Uh, it's been a while but, since I've read Spider Verse, and, and and too like uh, like yeah, I remember the the, the Spider Man like animated series from the nineties, like uh, in the uh, Spider Clone thing that like they brought in like a, a Uncle Ben. Was that like in the from a book too, or was that just no? Like, they did that the with series? the parents. They did that with oh, the parents okay. in the nineties, where his parents showed up alive, and then at the end it turned out they were like I don't know, clo- I don't even remember how some sort of replicoids or something, something they, like that. Yeah, oh, they okay. melt? I they think melted. they might have. I think they may have melted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because 90s, uh, 90s Marvel, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 because uh, yeah, that was one story that I've been like, kind of wanting to get into, but like I've heard it didn't go so well. So I've yeah, kind of, a lot so of Spider Man stuff in the 90s starts off great and then doesn't really. Yeah. Well, uh, Adam, given that you grew up in the era and know what to expect from the quality of these comics, go ahead and uh, read it. You'll that's true. It. Okay, he got me there. Yeah, so, it's man. not like you're going to expect it to be something, you know, transcendent. Super. Yes. Okay. Uh, And and you will find fun, really good stories mixed in with, you know, the kind of weird stuff and the kind of stuff that isn't that good. Right. It's it's kind of sad. The the number of titles that get dismissed by certain demographics of the readership simply because it looks like something that wouldn't be the quality that they expect. Oh, yeah. The the, number of people that will turn up their noses at the 90s Ghostwriter. And then the number of those of us that read it, you know, look, look at, look at the Robin series in the nineties, right? So many people would have looked at that like it's Robin, but I mean, Robin monthly was fantastic. You know, I'm not a DC fan and I enjoyed reading your comics when we were kids. Exactly. Robin was a fun read. There were good it's characters. Nice. It was, it was, there was almost a soap opera-ish uh, aspect to that Robin series. Almost. But it worked, right? Yeah. No, in a good way, in a good way. Nice. Anyway, getting back onto uh, Captain America. <laughs> uh, getting off topic. <laughs> yeah, screw that DC crap. I mean, no, hear that, hear that read if you're listening. If you're listening. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, uh, so, when did uh, when did uh, Falcon like show up? Like uh, in all this, like, or is it six late sixties? I believe so. I'm just getting. Let me let me double check my notes. They're all over the place here. 
Oh, okay, actually, I, I, I yeah, I've got exceptionally I, few comics with Falcon in them. Okay, actually, I've got no ahead of myself here because we're still talking about uh, Captain America or uh, Winter Soldier. Well, yeah, the, these characters all blend together. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, because they were saying like yeah, Winter Soldiers like 2006. Yeah, because I remember vaguely when all that because I was in and around when Captain America got shot too, right? Or it was like, or was that the end of this, or like right, leading that, that this, was, or leading? That it? was the end of that story arc. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, Bucky got introduced by 2000. I mean, sorry, Winter Soldier's introduced by 2005, right? And yeah. that sort of stories all led right into Civil War, and then Civil oh, okay, War okay. ends where Captain America gets shot. And oh, okay, then, yeah. So I mean, it's a very relative, quickly period, quick period between Bucky being introduced and then becoming Captain America, because oh, okay. he's when when uh, Steve gets shot, there's a kind of vague who's going to be Cap, and then it ends up being Bucky. Yeah, because I think I, I think one of the. Uh uh punisher trades i picked up when i first started reading it was like it was like a civil war thing and he, i think he picked up the uh the shield for like a thing he went into like the yeah, he, desert he, he did his own sort of being his own sort of captain america for a little yeah. bit well during that. Yeah, yeah 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 i think he like went kicks on like uh kicking yeah so like kicks up well he, he felt pretty uh yeah. pretty ashamed after uh yeah, getting yeah. disappointing cap during civil war there because uh yeah yeah him, yeah, they, him, you know, killing those villains in front of Cap and having Cap beat the living shit out of him, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, he was pretty disappointed in himself. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I was yeah, going I, through my stuff. I have. Yeah, I think too. At like one point, you just kind of sat there and took it like a. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Cap says, "Why aren't you fighting back?" And he's just like, "I'm, I'm not gonna hit Captain America." <laughs> and I, and, and I kind of deserve this right now. Yeah, he still wouldn't, you know, because again, his whole thing is he goes after the people who are absolute criminals. And Captain America is the one guy who isn't. Captain America is the one guy who everyone can look up to. So Punisher. <laughs> It just to him, I think it's almost inconceivable to have to fight Captain America. Yeah, I mean, he probably has done it, but especially he's, in situations like that, he's just like, well, you, no, you know, no. he's crying inside. Yeah, no, he's never going to show any feelings, but yeah. taking punches from Captain America, he's just so disappointed in himself that his he's crying in his heart, <laughs> crying on the inside. Take it's that he, It's the only place he can cry. <laughs> It's the only thing he knows. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you want to get on to uh, uh, the Falcon, yeah, he was uh, introduced, uh, I think, back in 1969, I believe. Yeah, well, I, I've got an issue of Cap here, uh, issue 199, it's 1976. And by that point, the comic is double billed Captain America and the Falcon. Like right there on the cover, they got both billing, both cover status. Like he he had made an impact at least by that point. He, he's like one of the that, characters, and that's who, straight up Jack Kirby, like written, drawn, and edited that issue into in its entirety. He's one of the characters whose origin story is very different from um, uh, the MCU. So the MCU, yeah, he was the, uh, the paratrooper who you know, it was like a, a uh, yeah, it was like a spe- special like a special thing or whatever. Like yeah, like a, some sort of like paratrooper pro- who was where, like, like did rescue work and stuff like yeah, that. Pro- like a prototype of wings or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And then he went off okay. and after he had got out of the military, was working with other veterans and whatnot. Um, in in the Marvel universe, he was uh, just like uh, this guy who grew up in Harlem who was like really really into birds and uh, ended up getting a falcon that he named uh, that he had hanging out with him named Red Wing. They took a job on some tropical island for some guys who turned out to be uh, a bunch of former Nazis who was working for the Red Skull. So he kind of escaped from them and stayed on the island helping out the people that were there trying to fight off these guys. And then Cap eventually ended up there in this weird convoluted story where Red Skull had used 
the cosmic cube to switch bodies. So Cap was stuck in Red Skull's body. This is back in Red Skull, you know, just wore a Red Skull mask. He wasn't actually having a messed up face. That didn't happen until later. But then Cap and uh, uh, Falcon team up and Cap convinces him to become a hero. So he eventually goes off and become Falcon. And he's a hero like that for years before. I, I think it's like a year or two before he even gets the wings. Oh, really? I think. I know he doesn't have them at first uh, for a while there. I haven't got up to that point yet. I've read, you know, the, the introduction stuff, the weird, you know, island thing with uh, him fighting the exiles and all that stuff in the Cosmic Cube. But I didn't, I haven't read too much past it to see when he actually does get the wings and everything. Oh, so yeah, so like uh, Red Skull even had the Cosmic Cube in the, the comics for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had <laughs> okay. that, actually, it's one of those things That's... where it, it, AIM created it, I think, and, and it shows up on quite a bit in other comics, but it's one of those things where Red Skull's really, really got a, a hard on for getting a hold of that thing and you know, doing stuff with it. And it, it goes on to his followers, too. Like, yeah. You know, if, if Red Skull isn't there to try to mess around with the Cosmic Cube, there's a good chance that somebody that followed his ideals is right there behind him. Is trying to cause some shenanigans. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. we should bring up the stupid retcon with Falcon's origin, which is just I'll let you the... handle all that because that's just... So they ended up turning around and retconning it that apparently what he was was he was a pimp. And, and somehow, what? yeah, yeah, he was originally. And this a is pimp the first retcon. Who a mission went bad, and he decided to, that when he was on an island escaping, and, and Red Skull ended up using the Cosmic Cube to change his mind to make him think he was a good person who would become a hero. And upon learning this, he decides, no, I'm a good guy. I'm going to be being a good guy. And then until around, until the point of some time during, I think around the. Uh, um, uh, was it Original Sin, or was it before then? I think it was before then. It might be some. It's sometime, you know, after Winter Soldier shows up, but before then, sometime around that era, the uh, Sin, who's uh, Cap or um, Black Red Skull's right. daughter, kind of reveals, well, no, like that. That's none of that's true. That was Dad screwing with your head. You, you know, you are who you are, right? But I mean, that was one of those things where it's like, in in any situation, turning around and revealing that one of your your heroes was originally a pimp and that his mind was wiped is just <laughs> a stupid origin. Just, just why? So how did he get to the island from being a pimp? He was he they, he and some other guys went to Never do some sort of like uh, I don't know like stealing the like, drug deal I don't know something like that and it went bad. <laughs> uh, again, it's this is just it's it's stupid. It's one of those things where you're just like why why did they even think this was a good idea in the first place? You know, <laughs> because exploitation movies were hot stuff back then. Yeah, yeah, I guess everybody was uh, fighting. There was uh, this... jive talk everywhere. Uh, the 70s. Like, yeah. Where everyone thought cocaine was a good idea. Yeah. Hell of a drug. Anyway, they did retcon later, but I mean, he's been retconned a few times. For a while, he was a mutant because uh, he has a, a psychic connection with his bird. He can see what it sees, he can communicate with it and whatnot. If you and, remember back in the 90s, uh, X-Men were hot. So yeah. if any character had any sort of flagging popularity or sales, Declare them to be a mutant. Actually, kids, kids love mutants. That happened back in 83. 83? Wow. Yep. It was in his own oh, miniseries. Pre apparently it was in his, that even. Yep. Apparently it was back in his miniseries. Who cared about mutants back in 83? It, that, that was just, that was the way they were trying to explain why he had this weird connection. It was then instead of trying to come up with some other weird convoluted thing. After can't can't it just be radar love? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Get your hands on the wheels. Do, yep. do, 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 yep. do. But but Falcon's been you know an on and off Avenger and whatnot and uh, then you know sometime uh, they later they ended up 
when Cap got old, after Cap came back alive and Bucky stopped being Captain America and, you know, Steve was again, Steve got old. Isn't it old. funny how that same thing happened to Batman as well as Captain America? And isn't it funny not, how not, the exact- not the old thing, but the, you know, get killed and have wacky adventures through time. Yep, yep. It was like the exact same story happening at the exact same time. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot with Marvel and DC. And uh, from you know, like again, two thousand, the early two thousands on, they have a, a very surprising amount of stories happening at the same time that kind of tell the same story but very differently. I mean, like Black and White was going on, and at the same time, they had Necrotia going on, which were both about you know undead characters coming back to life and whatnot. They're both very different, fantastic stories. I mean, like I, I, I thought they were both great, but. Yeah. I'd put Necrotia just a little bit ahead of uh, Blackest Night. Yeah. That's just me as a Marvel fan. Like yeah. I, Necrotia had more payoff for me. But again, if, if you look, it happens a few times. So that's one of the things yeah. that happened is around the time that Cap died, they were doing you know the Final Crisis stuff over in DC. So Batman died. And they were yeah. both sort of, I think they were both, sh- like I, I don't know how exactly how it worked with Cap, but I know with Batman was shot by like a magic bullet that made him jump through time and whatnot. But Cap basically did the same thing where he was jumping through time until eventually they got back to where they're supposed to be and went back to becoming, you know, who they oh, were before. Oh, oh, and to make it a hat trick, the same thing happened to Baron Zemo as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, except it, yeah, except it happened to Zemo earlier than the other two. It was a few years before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Zemo uh, had a many Civil War. earlier. Yeah, yeah. You know, it spins off from... Uh, I, it's, it's a story arc of Thunderbolts that I don't have yet. I only got scattered parts of it, but it's Zemo playing a game of manipulation against the Grandmaster. And the results of that end up with Zemo supposedly being killed, but he ends up bouncing through time uh, throughout his ancestors' history. So he's finding out that uh, throughout history, Zemos have been like Targaryens in that they can either be incredibly tyrannical and monstrous, or they can be the greatest and most noble leaders that you can imagine. It's, it's a flip of the coin for them. And Z- that's roughly when Zemo finally decides to start being a little bit more altruistic i guess like yeah a little, a little his, bit. his concerns are less to do with what's going on in the superhero supervillain community and what will keep the world safe if he needs to play the villain to keep the world safe fine he'll play the villain he's a villain we need not the one we deserve <laughs> yeah no, it's a, somewhat, a somewhat different character than what we saw in falcon and the winter soldier but i mean daniel they're, played him fantastically similar i do yeah, like, they are they are quite similar in a lot of things I, I do like how they don't portray zemo as a straight-up villain like you can actually i understand like where he's mm-hmm. coming from like i'm glad that uh, he doesn't have the nazi connotations that he yep. got saddled with in the comics yep. he shed them pretty quickly like one of the things about him like from the get-go was that he was not raised with his father's fanaticism he was brought into it as an adult so he was able to kind of you know think past think past his father's teachings yeah you know, become his own man. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and had a pretty good laugh with like when he was uh, doing the dancing. Yeah, though that I, was pretty good. That was, <laughs> but I I liked the fourth wall moment with him. At the very end of it, when he's hearing the news report about uh, the super soldiers having been uh, killed in a mysterious explosion, and he just kind of like looks at the the screen. Yeah, I, I liked that. Although uh, that brings to mind did you catch the uh, uh the bit of spin control in that news report 
when you watch the progression of events, they drop the one super soldier into the river and Sam goes and gets him separately. The other three are put into that van. And it's only those three that are in the van when it blows up. So when the news report comes on and says that four of them were blown up in the van, that gets me wondering, like, did they actually bump off that last one? Or are they saving him in their back pocket for an emergency situation? I just, I just noticed that like he's included in the news report as being killed in the explosion when he wasn't in the van with them. I thought that was a, an interesting little tidbit. Uh, my yeah. observation, at least. Uh, it's also pretty interesting to... that, you know, in the, in the show, in the movies and everything, Zemo is completely anti-Hydra, but in the comics, he, at a certain point, he did take over Hydra. Yeah, but uh, Bobby DaCosta took over AIM, so, you know, yeah, that you can't is really true. blame him for what the organization uh, does well, if he's so, got so, 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 that right fought it out sort of treating the employees better than what you know your general mad scientists get treated well, yeah, like. that, that's kind of what i'm getting at like they their reasons for taking control of these organizations are not necessarily villainous of themselves no, not at all and plus like that zemo was like you know the european villain so of course he's going to take over hydra at some point really <laughs> Well, yeah, when he, he took he over, a little bit Euro trash. When he that's, took over, he tried uh, distributing a virus to kill small portions of the of that you know it would kill the world. It would kill a small portion of the people infected with the virus, you know, to solve overpopulation and lack of resources. So again, he had his reason for it, even if it was completely villainous and insane. Yeah, no, but he he did have his dumb supervillain plot era. I mean, oh, that's yeah. that, that's how we we got thunderbolts, which I miss. I miss that. Story. Uh, I'm glad they're hinting at it, though, for the uh, the movies. Uh, oh, the uh, uh, Zemo being uh, imprisoned in the raft now. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's... And then people believe that's what uh, um, uh, Val Fontaine or, or Val uh, or the Contessa is, whatever her I don't know what they're calling her in the, the show, but uh, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. So the thing okay. she's doing is getting you know assembling a version of the Thunderbolts. She's straight up black ops, some yep. version of black ops. But again, that sounds Who's like that's... black ops is a good question. Yep. But it sounds like uh, that was what her role was kind of going to be in Black Widow, that she'd have a cameo there where she would kind of like, you know, uh, recruit somebody sort of like way back in the original Marvel movies, how, you know, they were kind of recruiting for the Avengers. Even though Nick Fury apart. would uh, pop out of the shadows. Yep. Wants to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Yep. So like the Thunderbolts is just like the villain team up or like. Well, a... Okay, so. We, we've talked about heroes are born right we're back in the 90s yeah. they did the onslaught story and all the uh, heroes died and all that and we're yeah. in a pocket universe yeah they had that and that's like the uh fucking uh what's his face that did deadpool with like the stupid fucking uh cap chest that's like super big oh uh, yeah Liefeld. yeah rob lifefield yeah yeah i felt yeah that was later on afterwards yeah that was the heroes that was heroes yeah but uh, anyway yeah. During during that time, since there was this big gap in heroes, because you know the Avengers yeah. were gone. Uh, actually, uh, hold up, um, Zemo. Before any of that, Zemo was gearing up for a big plot to take out the Avengers. Like he was gonna do like another siege or something. It was never really clear what his goal was, but he was gathering resources and preparing for another big attack. And then heroes were born, or uh, onslaught happens, and then he's left with, oh, what do I do with all these resources? I was gonna take take out the avengers and win this time and now there's no avengers so what is what does he do from there yeah 
And then so he goes ahead and he gets a bunch of other villains and they decide to disguise themselves as new heroes going out and saving the day to win the public's trust and love. And then when they got it all up and everyone trusts them, boom, they're going to turn on everybody and take him out. At least that was the plan. But uh, what they didn't anticipate was that the public had such uh, a need for heroes. Because you can't trust the X-Men because they're mean. They were immediately embraced as uh being what they said they were to the point where they were being offered like you know government liaison oh the fantastic four are gone you want to use their building as your headquarters okay go ahead and like they were the doors were just opened to them in a way that never were when they were villains and a good chunk of the team started to really appreciate the validation they got for doing good things for Mm -hmm. being heroes and by the time it came to the point where Zemo wanted to, to spring his plot, there were too many members who didn't want to go along with it. And a couple of new recruits that had nothing to do with what Zemo had been planning all along. So it became its own thing very quickly. And the, the whole villains working for redemption is an idea that, you know, needs to have a place like this is why suicide uh, suicide squad works so well over the dc universe gives you a chance to see the the villains doing things besides villainous super plots mm-hmm. same with thunderbolts you know we, so many times we we get a character gets a redemption arc in some other comic but then there's a status quo change in the writing like sure sandman might uh, retire from crime and decide that he's sick of that and becomes a bit of a good guy but oh we've got a new writer on and he remembers how much he liked sandman as a villain when he was a kid so he's going to start writing sandman villain stories again doesn't matter that sandman's grown beyond being a villain this is what he wants to write how many times does juggernaut flip flop back and forth between being a good guy and a bad guy and a good guy and a bad guy you know yeah yeah At, at least he's a at least he's long been established to be a fairly unintelligent person yeah and has been just a mercenary for most of his life. So his morals are already questionable. You know, he's, I, I, I love Juggernaut, but he's never been on my list of top thinkers in the Marvel universe. Yeah, definitely Anywhere not. close. Definitely not. But um, yeah. yeah when, you, uh, when you're that strong, you don't really need to think that much. Nope, not at all. Well, no, it's also coming from uh, his position as being created to be like almost the opposite of Professor Xavier. Xavier is the ultimate ideal of what you can do with your mind. So Juggernaut, his mystically powered brother, is the ultimate physical embodiment of force. Yeah. Pretty interesting coin flip there. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what was the uh, the thing that gives him his power again? The, the uh, Gem of Ciderac. Crimson Gems of Ciderac. The same uh, sort of bands that Doctor Strange loves to invoke so often for uh, the, containing enemies. The, this. Uh, other, oh, yeah. The, uh, other dimensional beings, Ciderac gives, uh, given, made him an avatar and given him his power. There's, there's some pantheon called the Octessence. Um, from what I've read of those stories, it seems to just be an attempt to expand on the juggernaut uh, uh, mythos and create like more of those things. As flawed as fear itself was, fear itself did the same sort of thing, only better. Like all the different hammers had yep. the same sort of effect as the different avatars of the octessents. You know, uh, giving giving rivals to juggernaut went nowhere. 
And so that, that's what uh, Fear Itself was? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was... That was uh, no, not, well, of, Juggernaut yeah. was part of it, yeah. But. Well, oh, okay. no, the, jug, the Juggernaut part of that was... Um, he was just uh, one of the guys that got a hammer. Yeah, and then Ileana Colossus went to Sidorak and Colossus took the, the gem of Sidorak for himself and became Juggernaut for a good long while. That was interesting. Huh. Yeah, yeah, Colossus was Juggernaut. Juggernaut for a bit until finally... It turns out that Ileana could have taken it away from him at any time she wanted to, and she just didn't, to prove a point. Yeah, because Ileana can, it's kind of like that. She was a little vindictive <laughs> when you piss her off. Yeah. No, she, no, sorry, she's a lot vindictive when you piss her off. She wanted everyone to know what it was kind of like to have, she wanted her brother to know what it was like to have that kind of monkey on your back, that, that sort of demon thing that's controlling you that you don't really have any say in. And then, you know, after a while, she's like, oh, yeah, no, nah, I could have taken you to Limbo at any point. And as long as we're in Limbo, I have complete control. So at that point, if I want him out, he's gone. And Klaus yeah, that, that, is kind of like, seriously, what the fuck? You could have done that, like, immediately. Stop judging me, Peter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's basically what it was. Thanks for the help. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, like, when... Uh... When your soldier came back and like got deprogrammed and stuff, did him and Falcon actually hang out at all before like the MCU like came to be, or was it just like a, a new thing? They probably or hung did... out a few times. I again, I'm, but, but it's I not, haven't but gotten it's not... that far into that story. And I, when all those comics were coming out at the time, the only parts that I was really caught up with for a lot of that cap stuff was like the actual death of, and then when um, uh, Bucky finally became cap and joined one of the Avengers teams, I kind of caught up a little bit on that stuff. And then I think he had his arms torn off and he was boot fucked pretty hard. And then he died and then somehow they brought him back again. Yeah, uh, it, it does seem like when uh, uh, Bucky was, uh, or Winter Soldier was acting as the, the Captain America character, he was teaming up with Falcon. I think so. Because I mean, that was, again, was right, regularly. Because I mean, right, right before that, Cap was teaming up with Falcon pretty yeah. regularly, uh, you know? We, Marvel was showing a little bit more push for uh, diversification in their characters again and realizing that, yeah, we shouldn't be sidelining these these classic characters that provide representation for certain demographics. Yep. I mean, like when you've got a character, the Falcon, who has been on the cover with his name right beside Captain America. Yeah. Capitalize on that legacy. This is an important character. Go for mm -hmm. it. Doesn't matter that guys like me don't necessarily care about him. I'm not the be-all, end-all of comic book readers. There's so much out there. You've also made it pretty clear that your niche for Marvel has always been a horror at the corner of it, and that's not really part of Falcon's sort of thing, no, you know? No, there's absolutely no crossover between the two. Like, I think the Whatever makes I you ever, say that. The closest I ever get is like maybe the occasional issue of Marvel Comics Presents that'll have a Falcon story on one side and like a Man-Thing story on the other side. Yeah, and I guess like, you probably like have some... Like, you one. might have a few Avengers issues where he's like an Avenger, because you do have some issues around the run i think if he was part of the team yeah, i know i've got a bunch probably i but i have a much more my adventures run is also from like you know early 2000s on well actually no it's from like mid 90s on i just got the box that has all like my cap and namor and nick fury stuff in it so you don't, don't know when uh when uh, Sam became cap that was probably like super recent then or was it, just uh, it was within the last like a couple decades 2010 maybe 
Okay, yeah. So, but yeah, probably. So maybe that was later than that. No, no, it was uh, uh, 2014. 2014 when he became cap. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So like when the MCU was going on, so they're kind of uh, tying the two uh, more, uh, the two together more. So yeah. Yep. Yep. So so it was somewhat recently. So it's not too bad then. So yeah. So I I doubt that they were looking at uh, developing the two uh, character arcs. uh, at the same time no but oh they, yeah no 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 they, they needed to replace cap again because cap got old and they weren't going to do the bucky thing again and they looked at who the next likely one would be would it was going to be, be falcon fa- right yeah yeah because yeah he's been hanging uh, hang, uh, hanging and, out and even like even six. back in the day when uh um yeah u.s agent or uh, john walker first became captain america when there was like the discussions in the comic about who would become the new cap he was or falcon was one of the ideas floated it was like yeah. Basically, they floated John Walker, Falcon, and Nick Fury, and they were like, "Well, there's no way in hell Nick Fury's giving up his position to come over and be Captain America." The guy's just gonna tell us to fuck off, right? Yeah, because that'd be like a step down, if anything, really. Oh, a major step down for a <laughs> lot more physical stress than that guy really oh, needs, right? And not like, only not only that, but all the eyes that would be on Nick Fury as Captain America, he yeah. would never be able to get anything done. Yeah, no, absolutely. Nope. And then, and then they also were like, well, what about Sam Wilson? And they were like, well, no, there's no way America would accept, accept a black Captain America. Yeah, and so which, a, which, which is they kind of touched that on in the show. Sort exactly. Of they, they really did bring up that part stuff in the show. And then, you know, so they, it's when they settled on John Walker and all that, right? But, yeah. I mean, that, when it came to 2014, they have absolutely no reason why they can use that or excuse, right? Yeah. So he became Cap, and he did a great job as Cap for however long until they had him... I don't know if he's back to being Til, Falcon again or not. Until whatever status quo was restored for uh, Steve Rogers. Yeah. I think it was maybe during the Secret Empire stuff that uh, when, you know, they had the evil Steve Rogers going on. I think that might have been when he stopped being Cap. Steve-il. Yeah, steve We'll just call him that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so like, well, I never actually read that. Like, So what was the deal with the... Uh... With, Turns with that, out like, that Captain America was originally a high, uh, part of Hydra his entire life. And that he was. This is this is the way things really were. This is what they yep, were yep. telling us and, all and along. Everyone blows the their cap. minds up, freaking out about this because really this, is. This, this is a horrible retcon. Why, why would they retcon? It's cap not like a re- this? No, it's not a retcon. This is how he really is. Yep. This isn't mind control. This isn't an altered reality. This is real <laughs> cap. This is what they've been telling us the whole fucking time. Although <laughs> apparently the story had already actually made it pretty clear that the cosmic cube had changed something, and well, it, that's what it had yeah. changed. So they, they, they just straight up lied to the readers, creatively speaking. Anyway, so it turns out that, you know, Cap had been altered by this cosmic cube. And then during the course of the story where Cap had now uh, this evil Cap had basically had taken over the United States and, you know, made a bunch of heroes outlawed and, you know, like uh, boarded up pretty much all the Canadian or all the Canadians, <laughs> all the mutants into uh, California and, you know, just caused a lot of crap. And then the very end of it, the real cap shows up and you know saves the day. And but the status because, quo know, is again restored. Yep, like nothing ever happened. That was one oh, of those but ones now, where now we got Kobik, and then Bucky yeah. can go off and lead a team of uh, Thunderbolts, where he's got to take care of this, like basically a nine-year-old with cosmic powers. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, fun I, times. I, I I was having a discussion with my friend, one of my friends, about the issues I have with Marvel crossovers recently, and and that's kind of the opposite of the problems I have with crossovers, where like a lot of these stories are, you know, like uh, they just did uh, King and Black, and it didn't need to be a big crossover event. It just needed to be a, 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 a an event story. 
If it was just a smaller event where I could have seen where it started, where it progressed, and where it was going to end, I'd have probably gone for it. Instead, it was was a big one that convoluted. When it it started up, you'd had to have been reading Venom for the last little while to follow what was going on. So it should have just been another Venom story. Whereas Secret Empire was one of those ones that did cross over into a lot of other comics, but it's one of those ones that should have crossed over into a lot of comics and should have ran for a few months where, you know, everything is changed up and then they really should have had a big follow-up of how things aren't the same afterwards instead of just snapping everything back to the way it was you know now the way they used to do things back for like you know the xbooks and the age of apocalypse mm-hmm. things like that you know it was one of those ones where it should have been you know affected everything i mean they had this whole stuff about how the x-men were all put into you know this one sort of corner and then when they actually did tell the x-men story parts of that they didn't get a lot of time to go into it it didn't really i don't know it just you remember back in the me. 80s, you know, when Thor in his comic, the, the casket of Ultimate Winter was opened and that affected like all the Marvel comics for yep. that period of time that it was open. And they didn't remember, when, the remember when the X-Men died in Dallas and the whole world was watching and it was noted elsewhere that like, geez, the X-Men are dead. Like, mm-hmm. Why can't these things happen anymore? Mm-hmm. They just don't do, they don't try to have the coordination between all the departments anymore that they used to. I mean, you could say it has to do with the fact with how much they've grown with how many comics they have, but at the same time, a little bit of effort makes these things work, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think mean, they, have, the, they have these fans that can like figure these things out. You know, you figure out the people they pay for it to figure it out too. As a fan, one of the biggest editorial changes that disappointed me was getting rid of all the, uh, the groups and the group editors. Yeah. I I really feel that's when Lame. we started to see uh, uh, a downward trend in the the cohesiveness of a lot of the stories when you didn't have that one editor slash editor in chief overseeing an entire area of the comics and making sure that you know things fit and then them being able to coordinate with the other groups to say like here's what we're doing how does this group go with what you're doing you know and when it was it was bob harris that was eventually just put in charge of the whole group of it wasn't it when they dissolved the, so. the individual groups i believe yeah, so. that, that's when now i mean some of the groups in the start there is like an x an x well, editor yeah, now and things yeah. like that and i think there's like a spider-man editor now but it's only for like the big groups where they have those sort of editors yeah. now it wasn't back in the day where they had like you know the street level stuff the horror stuff mm-hmm. you know the avengers stuff the spider-man stuff the x-men stuff like I, I feel like a lot of a lot of characters and titles started to slip through the cracks, and I, I mm-hmm. know that the situation is impacted by uh, what was going on financially with Marvel and the amount of uh, control that was trickling down to the actual creators. Mm-hmm. But even still, like losing those groups, you know, you you lost a lot of the flavoring of uh, the the comics, and again, the cohesiveness. You know, yeah. these these felt yeah. like a shared universe. Besides just having like characters pop back and forth across titles to help boost yeah. sales, like in the '90s, have Wolverine appearing and literally everywhere. Yeah, who are the most popular characters in the '90s? Let's see who's showing up on titles that they're not part of: Cable, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, Punisher, yeah. and Spider-Man, Punisher, Sp- Venom. Yeah. Uh, sooner or later, Deadpool. Yeah, let's let's get those sales back up by introducing the new popular character. Well, to be fair, the Deadpool, brief... the Deadpool ones didn't really start being a big selling point until the 2000s. But yeah, no, it, that's it true. Did but that that was him taking taking the torch from uh, a lot of the previous characters. Yes, very yes. much. Oh God, has he run with it? <laughs> Fuck yeah. 
Jeff, I can remember a time where, you know, our friend Gord had a hard time getting Deadpool comics because they weren't really making anything. Now you can't turn around without finding another one. Oh, and the, yeah. the, the sales numbers, like the print runs were so low. Yep. But it was like, like yeah. it was critically acclaimed and the fans loved it. Like every every time I like go through like Deadpool comics and compare like the prices of like just 90s issues and realize like, oh my God, I've got like more than half of the series. I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to spend anything to read these comics and they are fantastic. And they're the original copies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dude, uh, if you can go for originals over trades and you have the space for originals, there's so much yeah. more content to enjoy. You get letters yeah. pages, you get editorial pages, yeah. you get vintage ads. Let's just say yeah. I'm, I'm very, very glad that I have a uh, pretty much complete X-Men run for the upcoming Mar- MCU Marvel movies come, or shows and oh, stuff coming out. Because you know so they're going to start, the prices shows. on certain issues are going to shoot up there and I'm not going to have to worry about buying them because I've already got them. Very nice areas. You know, it's like it's like having that. It's like you getting you know, or both of us get that issue uh, first appearance Deadpool. You know. Oh yeah. Not having that, to pay an insane price for it at a oh, uh, when it uh, is insanely priced nowadays. Oh yeah, it's not that. I was I think I was just like, looking on uh, looking on eBay like a couple weeks ago for it, just for the hell of it. Yeah, it was like three four hundred bucks for it. Yeah. It was, yep. yep. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember. Did I did I ever end up uh, telling that story? Oh on yeah, the, yeah. On yeah. Explain to us how you got that one, which was like yeah. 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 you gotta love mom and pop shops for that reason yeah yeah as i said like if a buddy had seen my reaction when i saw it, you probably won't know something else up but oh yeah uh, it's kind of hard <laughs> when you see things like that and you kind of don't want to let it in because yeah. you know yeah. you have those honest shop owners who are like oh well, this is okay well you know take it anyway other where you have other ones who are like wait is that worth that much money oh well then it's worth this much money then you know Easy. yeah because he was like because I, I think i grabbed that one in like one other book and i Still to this day, can't remember what that other one was. It's just the other uh, one was just, inconsequential. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he, he's like, he's like, that's it. I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right. I was like, two bucks. I'm like, all right. Well, again, it was like when I got it, that guy go home and get some clean pants. When, when, exactly. I, when I got it, we had the whole big like, long box, and I know I took more than just that one issue of uh, New Mutants, but I couldn't tell you what the other issues were because all I cared about <laughs> was the fact that I finally got the last issue of New Mutants that I needed, yeah. and yeah. I didn't have to pay an insane amount of money for it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I wasn't even like look, uh, expecting anything in those books. So they were just like, "Hey, there's two like short boxes in the store. Go, uh, that's go what check it out." So much better, eh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, because yeah, I, yeah, because I think I got that and like the first appearance of like uh, of Apocalypse, like the yep. and, like the Death of Angel. Oh, yep. the, yeah, the the real first appearance or the one where he's actually a redrawn owl. So Apocalypse first appears in <laughs> five. Yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. X Factor, and it's just yeah. it's just like a, a silhouette, and you can't see who it is. Well, the silhouette yeah. was originally the owl, and then they decided no, and they made this kind of like comedic oh, really? character, which <laughs> they became, which was Apocalypse. Oh, really? there, yeah. there was an idea in editorial that they were going to make the owl like a major threat of a villain, and at the last minute they realized like no, this is a bad idea. It's <laughs> the owl. Like, come on. <laughs> Anytime they've tried to soup up that character, it has not gone well. Yeah, <laughs> he, he he's a Batman villain lost in the Marvel universe. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, now I want a, like an owl villain. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'll show up sooner or later. He's <laughs> he's one of those kinds of uh, villains that they could very easily uh, tone down to be like a. Actually, crime boss. he uh, he was in uh, I think Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, Owlsley. Yeah, 
Yeah, because aside from like, you know, having some weirdly nebulous owl type powers, like he's not on the level of like, you know, squirrel girl, squirrel powers, but like he's a little bit more owly than penguin is penguin. His head can turn 180 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've got an issue. No, I think there is an issue of uh, Daredevil. I think I've got where like the owl shows up and he's got all kinds of like mutations and cybernetic implants. It's like when killer moth showed up as that mutated Charaxes and was suddenly a threat, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. except owl was just freaky looking and horrific. Like, <laughs> like what have you done to yourself? My God, I can hear the bones in your neck grinding as your head turns. <laughs> hey, please stop doing that. I'll, I'll, I'll stop. You can uh, do whatever you want to do. Just yes, stop. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> the sound of, and this is actually in the comics, but like the sound of uh, the owl's head is unnerving daredevil. Like the, the, the clicks and whirs of his like cybernetic big ass owl eyes. Like the fact that his head can like turn around on uh, a swivel. Like it's just wrong to him. I wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> super senses are a, a burden. It seems. Just imagine all the things that like drive people insane and gross people out in general, and how amplified all of that must be for Matt Murdock. I mean, look, look like at how the Peter sound David... of people chewing. Well, look, look at how Peter David wrote uh, Quicksilver. You know. Yeah. He's impatient with everything because everything to him is so freaking slow. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be a pain, yeah. Yeah. Everyone around him is slow and can't move at his speed. I mean, it's got to drive you nuts, right? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Um, the examinations issue of X Factor is um, a must read for any comic fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't care if you don't like X-Men titles, like you think that's just garbage. It's a great single issue. Like it's the the fact that it's an x-men issue and that these are superheroes is is inconsequential these are like they're i don't know how what's the best generalization for it they're they're like emergency response workers that have to go through counseling after a particularly harrowing event that's it so you get like insight into all the characters which i i I'm not sure if anybody at Marvel had treated any group of characters with that level of psychological depth by that point. Mm-hmm. Like to to cover like a group of characters and nail them all so perfectly in just a single issue. And like not not that Peter David only did a single issue, but that is the single issue snapshot to show somebody to say like here's what makes this comic title interesting. Or at least that era of that comic title. And uh, and, and which one's uh, which book's this? It was in uh, X Factor uh, seventy something. I believe so. I can't. I'd have to go dig into my uh, bins here to figure out what I'm issue. I'm pretty it is. sure I've got the first six issues of Peter David's run myself, and it's not part of that. It's later. I think on I run. think it was after Extinction Agenda. I think because I think it's right after the big crossover. That's so again. It's been right. it's been a while since I flipped in my '90s stuff, but I think that's roughly where it is. But again, it's it's a great issue. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Good to know. I'll have to check that out. Because yeah, yeah. uh, there's a fair chance I might have that book actually, too. Well, if you don't, find your way back up to Peterborough when the lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, one second. Reading. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm too, and I'll do that. I think I still have a couple of your books I need to yeah. get back to you yeah, too. So that, like, I know where they are. I just have to get yeah. them back to you. So I'm, like, I I'm did, not I, immediately worried about that uh, yeah, Saga yeah, one. That yeah. that's a hefty tome that's going to yeah, take yeah. some uh, digestion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then they haven't they haven't migrated into my collection, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's the main thing. So they're they're by themselves. It, so no it even happens there. accidentally. Well, I yeah. I know I know off the top of my head which two matter, like yeah. actually matter to me. So no worries. Yeah, so. Alrighty, all right. So I think that is everything. Unless you guys have anything else uh, to huh? add. Huh? And, uh, Sam's speech at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, impressive yeah it was yeah. Uh, it's one of the most impressive things i've seen performance wise from an actor in a while so uh, yeah that was uh, that was pretty good so I, I, did, I did enjoy that yeah oh yeah and uh, uh as far as um we never touched up on the villain for uh, falcon and winter soldier flag smasher is a joke in the comics that's all you really need to know flag smasher is a an idealist who really hasn't thought through what he's doing and just causes terrorism and mayhem for his reasons. And it's pretty much the same as what we see in the TV show, except instead of being a stupid teenage girl, it's some stupid faceless guy in his thirties. Like he's a non-entity. Like I, I had to remind myself that no flag smasher does not have any superpowers in the comics. It, it's it, there's a singular flag smasher who runs an organization. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So yeah. There, there's not really much to get into there as far as the bad guys go. It, it Flag Smasher fills the need for uh getting that uh element of what's happening in the MCU across. Like, yeah, there's all kinds of disruption from half of the population disappearing five years ago and then now coming back. What do we do with all this population? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just deal dealing yeah. with the aftermath of everything. The, the flag smashers as uh, a focus for the um, the people that feel that they've been wronged. That worked. But yeah, yeah don't don't go look into the comics for uh, flag smasher if you you were really impressed with flag smasher in the show because I don't think there's anything impressive about that character in his uh, publication history. Huh. And, and this is a character like I discovered really early on with an issue of Ghostwriter and thought like this character is a fool. In fact, I was telling Daniel after watching it, if Carly Morgenthau had kept going in the series, the TV show, she would have triggered a fool killer. Eventually she would have caused so much misery and death that somebody would have been wronged in the same way that she herself was. And when too, when nature begets too many fools, or when the world begets too many fools, nature provides a fool killer. She was on the verge of doing that, I am positive. She would have just created a bigger problem hunting her down. Yeah. And, and fool killer is that the one that uh, was like in Deadpool's head for a bit, or is that somebody else? Or... Um. The the second or, fool killer was hanging out with some team of mercenaries that Deadpool put together a little while ago, but I didn't end up. I, I missed those issues. If I had known that Greg Salinger was going to be in them, I probably would have grabbed them. I tried to grab the follow up miniseries uh, that he was in, uh, like a, a an actual another fool killer series, but I missed an issue or two of that. Uh, he was originally a Steve Gerber Man Thing character who. Uh, is was a psychopath but his thing was like he kills fools each fool killer's definition of what a fool is varies 
to considerable degrees. Mr. T, uh, lucky he wasn't friends with Mr. T. All right. Oh, God. I was going to ask if there was a Mr. T like a uh, crossover. Uh, there, really, if there was a little I, bit of bloodbath. I think the original Fool Killer, the original Fool Killer was like mid 70s. I'm not sure when Mr. <laughs> T uh, started getting uh, popular. I didn't think until like the 80s for him. Yeah, yeah, great. Anyways, yeah like really uh, early 80s, I would say, I think. First Fool Killer didn't last long. His definition of a fool was anybody that didn't do what he said. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's the kind of character that you want to see killed off. Yeah. Uh, the second Fool Killer was inspired by the stories of the first Fool Killer. Uh, this guy was like a, a college uh, student who uh, his definition of a fool was anybody who uh, had no poetry in their soul. He started off with good intentions and slowly went insane till the point where he tried to kill Spider-Man and somebody in the crowd pointed out that a man's trying to shoot Spider-Man. Only a fool tried to shoot Spider-Man. He called me a fool. I'm a fool. Then he tries to shoot himself. (laughs) Yeah, he was right out of it. And <laughs> Maybe then, I'm uh, the fool. He's just stuck to his logic, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the third fool killer, however, Kurt Gerhardt, uh, was the subject of a 10-issue uh, maxi-series uh, in 1990 by Steve Gerber. And J.J. Uh, Birch is a pseudonym. I forget who he really is. Um, but I'm pretty sure he had been using the same pseudonym on like Catwoman back in the day. But it's it's a story about how this new uh, individual, uh, Kurt Gerhardt, um, following the example of the previous fool killer who is in an asylum, um, takes on the, the identity of the fool killer after corresponding with him. Uh, it's one of the greatest travesties of Marvel publishing is that there is no trade paperback of fool killer. There's, there's, and Part of the reason this bothers me so much is uh, the correspondence between the second and third Fool Killers is done through the internet. And this is an, a comic from 1990. So Whatever. they're using like uh, modems with like BBS message board types. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's like real early internet. So you know what this means? Graphically speaking, computers with black screens and green text. And you know how well that prints on the page in 1990 printing tech? <laughs> Only a couple of issues have actually legible text on these screens, and there's actual Im- information on them. So I've been wanting a remastered Fool Killer for ages so I can see, you know, see the, the, art- the artwork properly cleaned up. Like, I don't yeah. care if they mess up the coloring because they, they use different type of paper. That, that's one of the big things about why so many uh, trade paperbacks from Marvel and DC have such a, a garish look to the coloring is because they're still using the same color uh, templates as they were for the, the pulp paper. And this is this glossy stuff catches the colors just differently. I wouldn't care if it was that like just the, the original templates onto new paper, if I could make out all the artwork clearly. But despite it being one of the, like it, it does have a reputation as being a great Marvel story, like for having like a beginning, middle and end, like it is a complete package tale that hasn't been really exploited uh, story-wise, but it, you can find it easy in singles, but there is no trade. 
and this this makes me sad. Makes you a sad panda. Sad panda. <laughs> um, as a, a minor anecdote, um, just to get across the uh, the general uh, tone of uh, the Fool Killer Maxi series, when uh, my nephew, my oldest nephew, he's been going through my uh, my horror and crime and action movie collection. When he got around to watching the movie Falling Down, he loved it. And his immediate question was, is there a follow-up? Is there a sequel to this? I'm like, there's no sequel to Falling Down. No way is there a sequel. But here, I've got an extra set of Fool Killer. This is basically Falling Down in the Marvel Universe. Like, what if the same sort of situation happened to, like, like Defense, the character in Falling Down, like, all the the way he feels his life is going and everything wrong with it almost exactly the same way that Kurt Gerhardt feels in Fool Killer like there there's differences based on their situation you know Kurt doesn't have kids you know but their love life's fallen apart their work life their home life everything is failing on them society is failing them how do they react when they hit the breaking point I'm and then I'm probably close to rambling at this point, but yeah, <laughs> like um it's it's an unsung gem of the Marvel universe. And if you know the movie Falling Down and yeah, Love that, that movie, I absolutely like with, uh, recommend it. Uh, uh, the Michael, uh, Michael, Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yeah, Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Michael Douglas, um Yeah, I forget who else is in it. Watched yeah, it too long ago. Uh Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall, that was it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's been a long time since I seen it, but I do uh, yeah, I do remember though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to see that through the lens of the Marvel universe, that's Fool Killer. All right, good to know. Good to know. All right, uh, so I think uh, I think that uh, covers about everything. Unless you uh, you have anything to add there, uh, Dan? No, I got nothing to add right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, that. Uh, covers everything for this week and uh you guys are still uh, not on any type of uh, social media stuff really just facebook couldn't care yeah which is honestly the best way to go about it really because it is all not good yeah, <laughs> so no. so if you can stay off it uh yeah it's probably about the, about the best way to go but mm-hmm. uh for uh, but for us so i think uh we are on uh uh, both uh, Twitter and Instagram. I don't really post all much there, so check us out there. But uh, uh, other than that, uh, for this week until uh, I think I'm free, like next week, where we can figure out some, uh, figure out uh, what we're recording and uh, when we're doing that later. But uh, we'll have to find a subject. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it's a, still a few weeks before uh, Loki comes out. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So like another like uh, like beginning of like june or something like that so i think it's like a month almost i think yeah a, yep. a couple weeks so yeah so we'll uh, yeah so we'll uh, the bar's being that. set really high for that one now too with oh yeah wandavision falcon and uh, winter soldier yeah, yeah. And, this then, one... yeah and everyone loves loki so like it should add should, should, should have proved interesting yeah so and the the time variance authority is one of the few institutions that probably could mess with loki He's gonna mess with them, I'm sure. Or 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 these try to, yeah. Uh, there'll be some back and forth between the two groups. I'm quite <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, yeah. So that uh, should prove interesting. So uh, until then, everybody, uh, uh, read some comics. I don't know what, how, how to end this, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. In, in the words of <laughs> K-Fab cartoonist, read more comics. Yeah. yeah.